All things economic development for the city of Lincoln. We're going to talk with the chamber president, Jason Ball, for about 15 minutes here on Lincoln Live. Jason, welcome in. Good to have you here in the studio. Dale, good morning. Thank you for having me. Fresh off boys and girls basketball. Both of them in a week's period of time as opposed to the boys getting a week, the girls getting a week. Economically, did it matter? To have them both squeezed into a week? Economically, it it made the impact bigger, I I would argue. We got got the full week of activity all crammed in. So we we put two weeks of activity into that week. And on the front end of that, we hosted the Big Ten wrestling Mm -hmm. tournament. And so we we had the better part of about 12 days of visitors in this community who are not normally here, staying in our hotels, eating in our restaurants, uh, shopping in our stores, uh, the vibe downtown in particular was just great. I know they had a lot of folks that did uh, shopping trips and visits to other parts of town. Um, it, there was just that energy in the mm-hmm. city uh, that you cannot replicate. And so, um, you know, in a normal year, obviously, the Boys and Girls State Basketball Tournaments will be in in successive weeks. That's great because it spreads that economic activity out over a period of time. Might be a little less stressful uh, if it's not all crammed into one week, um, but it, it was still an amazing win. It was really great to see all that energy. I think it uh, in PBA, uh, particularly for those games, it, it really heightened the excitement of what was going on. Um, and so we, we think uh, we pulled together uh, Jeff Mall from the CVB with the Chamber did an amazing job of making sure we could accommodate all of those activities here for all of our guests, and uh, and everyone had a great experience. And so we're going to turn right around and, and compete for hosting the tournaments uh, back in the normal two-week schedule uh, next year. Jason Ball from the Chamber with me. Uh, small business, of course, is vital to the success of Lincoln's economy, represented well by the Chamber uh, about eight of every 10 of your members represent small business. I think yeah. it's 79% rounded up to 80%, eight out of every yeah. 10. Yeah. Talk about the Small Business Advisory Council that's been created. Yeah, so um, folks that worked with me before when I was uh, uh, early in my days in the chamber might remember that I used to spend some time working with the Small Business Development Center here, uh, which is a program of the, the SBA. And uh, so I got my start with small business. Um, folks that are small business owners, in my opinion, are, are a special kind of person. They're willing to take some risk, put in super long hours, and they're building uh, not just a business and they're not just creating jobs. They're building their dream. Uh, they're creating uh, what they want to do every day, and they're creating a certain sense of freedom as they pursue that. And so um, coming back, because we are 79% small businesses in our chamber, and proudly so, um, because the, everything we do at our chamber, we have our small businesses in mind and at heart, whether it's an economic development uh, agreement that we're looking at or, or a policy that we're looking at. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to do was form a small business advisory council. So this group is 15 people. They come from a, a very diverse range, array of industries, uh, retail and restaurant, uh, construction and consulting, uh, IT services. We have, a, we have a very broad array of business leaders, 15 of them. We're going to meet every month. I'm going to give them a report on what's going on with the chamber, what my vision for the future of the chamber and the community is, and let them respond to that, see what changes uh, that they would recommend or new perspectives that they would add to it? What services might they want? What are other small businesses in their networks uh, wanting maybe the chamber or a similar type of association to look at or help with? 
Um, and so they're going to be a very impactful group. And then a year from now, we're going to turn around and, and populate another group of 15 and, and keep those ideas fresh, keep that group uh, churning through there so that we're touching as many business owners in town uh, as possible. So I'm, I'm thrilled to start this. We've got an amazing team of folks that have agreed to spend some time with me over the coming year. In the few that I get a chance to talk to, a common thread is just get out of our way and let us do our job. Let yeah. us try to grow. Sometimes the policies and the codes and the, the city minutiae gets in the way of them being even more successful. Look, entrepreneurs and small business owners, they are doers. They love to just focus on getting it done. Um, and so certainly they want to uh, you know, have the freedom to operate as much as they can. The chambers, uh, from a policy perspective, been in that space for a, a long, long time uh, with you know, generally a, an environment that has low taxes and low regulation allows businesses to have the degrees of freedom they need to operate. Um, and so we're, we're excited to learn from them, um, to, to listen to them. I'll be taking that feedback directly back into uh, board reports and various reports to the community. It's going to be a great, great year with those folks. You've also created a new educational event for chamber members, the Quarterly Business Toolbox Series. What's in the toolbox? Yeah, so um, we generated this event uh, in response to coming back from the pandemic. So as everyone knows, the past couple years have not been ideal uh, for organizations like chambers to get a whole bunch of people in a room and learn about things, right? And and that's what the Small Business Toolbox series is, is really designed to be, is um, a content-driven, information-driven uh, takeaway event so people can come they can learn something. Uh, they can find out where to, to get some more information about that topic. Uh, and maybe they come away with something they can apply in their business immediately starting that day. And so we're, we're ready to launch a quarterly series of these. We're very excited about it. We're calling it the, the Business Toolbox Series. This first one will be Wednesday, March 23rd, uh, between 1130 to 1. And it's going to be on a, a panel speaking on the name, image, and likeness changes that have happened in collegiate athletics here. Um, because a lot of businesses, and particularly small businesses, are wondering, you know, hey, how can my business engage with these student athletes? How, how does that work with the athletes? What's appropriate? What's allowed? What's not allowed? Um, they've just got a lot of questions. And so our, our panel is going to be Jonathan Bateman from UNL Compliance, Chris Armuller, uh, CEO and founder of FanWord, which was a uh, Chamber Launch LNK grant winner in 2022. Uh, and then uh, Nick Mastais, uh owner of Muchachos Restaurant. And so all, those three have all uh, worked with this name, image, and likeness space in, in different ways. And we're really excited for, for them to share those learnings and uh, provide some direction to other businesses. Jason Ball here for the conversation on Lincoln Live. The Convention and Visitors Bureau, working with uh, the Lincoln Downtown Rotary 14 and the uh, Downtown Lincoln Association, came up with a feasibility study for a possible convention center here in Lincoln. Help listeners understand, Jason, why Lincoln needs a convention center. Yeah, and so uh, not all events are the same, and not all events have the same needs. And so an event that's a great fit for the Lancaster Event Center probably isn't looking for, for a, a typical indoor convention center space, right? So you got the, the big farm implement shows, uh, for example. Mm -hmm. Great fit out there. Uh, rodeo, great fit out there. These are things that would not take place in a convention center as we envision it. Same thing with uh, 
Pinnacle Bank Arena. You know, when you get to a certain size, you have to be in a Pinnacle Bank Arena just because of how large your event is. But Pinnacle Bank Arena, very busy. Um, there, there are a lot of sporting events there. So availability becomes one pinch point. And then it, it is so large, it, it just doesn't make sense sometimes for smaller events. And their team is very accommodating. But, you know, at, at some point, it just doesn't quite make sense. Conversely, we've got a, a couple hotels with ballrooms that uh, have, have space for uh, you know, around seven, 800, 900 people uh, if you're really squeezing folks in there. Um, and, and that's great too, but it may not come with enough, uh, additional breakout space or different room sizes may not come with, uh, uh, sufficient facilities or just have the largest, uh, footprint in the room itself. So those are all reasons why we are aware we are not able to compete for visitor industry opportunities that if we did have a product like a convention center, we could accommodate. Now, um, you know, I want to remind listeners the idea of a convention center for Lincoln actually goes back all the way to the vote on the arena uh, vote for Pinnacle Bank Arena because in its initial inception was really envisioned to be, uh, uh, you know, partnered with or connected to a convention center. But recall at the time we took that vote to the public, uh, the convention center space nationally and in particular in Omaha was just not financially robust. Um, uh, particularly Omaha's facility just really had some challenges. And so it was, I think, agreed by city leaders that it was going to drive up the cost of Pinnacle Bank Arena uh, too, too much. And, you know, again, when, when your neighbor just down the road is having trouble with a like facility, that's going to give people pause on voting for it. Now, what happened uh, almost immediately after that vote? Uh, conditions began to improve. Uh, Omaha's convention center now is very financially stable and robust. We've seen other Nebraska communities invest in convention center space that are now uh, uh, seizing opportunities that we can no longer compete for. Um, and we know, uh, thanks to the CSL study, there's a real market opportunity to have a convention center. Uh, so this is base level stuff. Um, we asked them just look, just define our universe. Where possibly would we put a convention center of appropriate size and shape? They came up with five alternatives, and I can't stress enough. They did not rec uh, uh, they did not make a recommendation for a number one site. We have not endorsed or made a recommendation for a number one site. We just wanted to understand what our universe of options looked like, and they came up with five. So now we're evaluating what those five look like. Um, and then there's all the other questions that people will have. Well, Jason, how much does this cost? How long would it take to get it built? Do we even own the property? Or how large of a facility would, would need to be there? All of those are great questions. All of those are what we're going to be spending the next uh, six months to a year working with CSL and other professionals uh, to answer and address. But none of that has been defined yet. So and when so will we know, Jason, from those five, which one makes the most sense? Uh, Dale, I'm going to tell you, we'll know when the research has been completed to a sufficient level. All right. Uh, uh, not to be uh, flippant about it, but we, we need to make sure we take, take the time to do the, the research correctly. Um, and we're, we're going to do that with our partners, but we're really excited about the opportunities this opens up. We know it will be generally in a downtown space because that's where these need to be needs to be in a place that's accessible for parking and traffic, needs to be in a place that's near other uh, restaurant night, nightlife and entertainment venues. Um, and we've got some great options 
that they, they have come up with the CSL group. Last week, the governor was in for the face of the chamber yeah. to kick that off for another year. Yeah. Governor did, did a great job talking about his legislative uh, priorities. We're very proud that we are partnering with the governor on several of those, notably um, uh, reducing uh, individual and corporate income tax rates, uh, uh, which we are optimistic is going to get done uh, in this session. We think those are appropriate. It keeps Nebraska competitive uh, when it comes to recruiting folks. And then there's the, the, the big uh, initiative, which is they're calling Star Wars, which is really state water management initiatives across the entire state. Governor spoke about that, including the uh, canal in the uh, west end of the state to, to see to ensure, I guess it would be a better way to say it, ensure that Nebraska receives the appropriate amount of water year-round uh, that we are supposed to through the South Platte out of uh, Colorado. Um, and so our, our members uh, listened. He spoke about many, many other uh, items as well, and we appreciate his time coming to talk uh, to our membership. Governor's doing important work, and, and again, where his uh, policy objectives overlap with the direction of our board, we are uh, very pleased to shoulder in and get behind him on those initiatives. Now you're caught up, listeners. There's, we've got a couple of more sheets of talking points here that we just ran out of time. <laughs> Won't be able to get to those this time. Next time, next month, we'll do that with Jason Ball, head of the Lincoln Chamber of Commerce on Lincoln Live.